RSN. You're with Andrew Cuse. We're on site at the Bendigo Jockey Club uh, coming up their big uh, Golden Mile race day. Great to be here in person and having a chat with uh, manager Aaron Herbs. How are you, Aaron? Good, Andrew. Welcome aboard to the Bendigo Racecourse. Well, and the Bendigo Jockey Club, because I actually mentioned this morning to someone at a cafe I was going to the race club and the guy said, you mean the jockey club? So how, how common is the term used that you are a jockey club, not a race club? Yeah, there's only a few jockey clubs left. I think uh, Swan Hill might be another, but yeah, there's not uh, a lot more jockey clubs left. They're mostly racing clubs, uh, as you know, yeah. So let's go back a year ago. The Golden Mile race day, as we speak, would have been smack bang around the time that things got really serious with COVID. Not that they're still not a concern, but... This was a meeting last year that at short notice saw no one on track? Yeah, that's right. I think we had about two weeks' notice, so uh, all the plans had pretty much been done and dusted and it was just that last-minute push for, uh, for for seats for a general admission point of view. So, yeah, it was the first one that we had. It was quite eerie, um, one of our big race meetings, having no one here. So we're certainly looking forward to uh, a different um, a different perspective on, on race day in a week and a half's time. So what is your cap? What are you allowed to? And again, we're chatting, as you say, a week away and we cross fingers things continue in the same path. But at this stage, what are you planning and booking for? We're, ala- we're able to have up to 5,000. Uh, the state government's given us the approval for that, which is fantastic. So uh, we're hoping to get a crowd somewhere around uh, 3,000 if we can. Um, there's still a lot of restrictions in place. Everyone still must uh, pre-register and have a reserved seat. So, um, But that being said, uh, the, the restrictions seem to be easing week by week now. So in another week's time, um, you know, we almost maybe potentially have people being able to roam around the course. So that's really the last straw to getting back to what it was pre-COVID. And, um, but, yeah, we're, we're hoping, to, as I said, to have up to 3,000. We've got some activities on course now that we couldn't even have it two or three weeks ago. So uh, fingers crossed we're just hoping the sun shines. So essentially you're planning for what would be a normal crowd, just slightly how they behave on the day or what they do. But in terms of clubs I've spoken to, that the first worry was about how many they could get to the track. That's not a problem for you now. That's right, yeah. We, we, we won't surpass the 5,000 cap, so uh, that won't be an issue, which is one thing we don't have to worry about, which is great. So um, we're really trying to push that general admission uh, component now. Um, it's likely that we'll sell tickets on the day, uh, but I still encourage anyone that's keen to, to come to contact the office prior to because uh, we still have to allocate everyone with a reserve seat at this stage. So any inkling as to what the makeup will be per locals versus travelling people from Melbourne or country Victoria travelling around. Um, do you have any indication as to whether that will be a different ratio this year? Yeah, generally speaking for this race meaning it's, it's made up of about one third local, two thirds outside of the um, the city of Greater Bendigo. So I think we're on a similar track as we speak at the moment. Um, so yeah, we're, we're really pushing into that Melbourne market and, and hoping that we can get the patrons to not only come to the race day but stay overnight and enjoy everything that Bendigo's got to, uh, to offer from a hospitality and a tourism point of view as well. So, and that's something you're really pushing, uh, people, is that something that off their own bat or their packages, how's that going for people that want to come and stay a night or, or stay after or pre the meeting? Yeah, we've got some uh, good partners from the hotel point of view. So uh, anyone that's looking to, to stay, we can certainly try and help them out. Um, we've got uh, we've had some great support from the City of Greater Bendigo. They're sponsoring the Explore Bendigo marquee. Um, we're lucky enough in Bendigo to have the Mary Quant exhibition up at the Art Gallery, which actually commences on Saturday the twentieth. So, um, and there's lots of great restaurants and, and pubs and things to uh, to go out for tea on the Saturday night. So we're hoping people can come up on the Saturday morning, come to the races go for tea on a Saturday night and enjoy some of the tourist uh, attractions that Bendigo's got to offer on the Sunday. 
So in terms of the race day experience, just take us to how similar it will be. You mentioned about what they can do and can't do. Um, the aspect of being allocated a seat now, I, I, I won't say I get confused, but for many race clubs, they tell me the seat is protocol, but once you're in the track, essentially doesn't mean you're sitting in that seat and can't move. So essentially, what does the race day experience entail this year? Yeah, that's correct. So there's uh, six reasons now that the patrons can actually leave their designated seat slash uh, area. Um, those six reasons uh, include to get something to eat, something to drink, to place a bet, uh, to go to the restrooms. Um, the fifth and sixth, which have recently been introduced, uh, now also include to get a better vantage point to watch a race and also to uh, to go around the race course to uh, look at the activities and to get near the horse stalls for owners, etc. So there's not much difference. It's just that we're still needing to, to allocate everyone to a seat or an area, which is part of our COVID safe plan as well and in ensuring that if there was uh, an outbreak and we did need to do some contact tracing uh, post-race day that uh, we're able to provide that information in a timely and efficient manner. RSN927 on site, a bit of a feature with the Bendigo Jockey Club manager Aaron Herps. Aaron, how many years now for you as manager of this race club? Coming up to five, Andrew, in, in June, so it's gone pretty quickly. Um, we've achieved a lot over that time, and I'm, I'm greatly supported by a, a great team here at the, the club and also aboard. So uh, we've still got a few uh, different projects coming up over the next 12 and 24 months that we're looking to achieve. So uh, hopefully onwards and upwards from here. You can ask you just where you see your place in, in racing Victoria. And I'm not being um, nasty, but say a lot of people in Melbourne like myself might say, well, Bendigo, Ballarat, similar race clubs, um, 100,000 plus populations. Uh, we hear a lot more about Ballarat and what they've been doing as opposed to your club. I think they're a former club of the year. And then I sort of analyse and think, well, hang on, you just an extra say you're 90 minutes to Melbourne, they're an hour, so perhaps when trainers are doing a turnaround, that's a huge thing. Is it unfair to sort of compare you to other similar-sized townships in the state and say, should Bendigo be more high-profile? Yeah, I guess every club's got their niche. I think Ballarat compared to us is more of a training venue. We, we consider ourselves more of a racing venue with training, I guess, um, secondary to racing. We believe that we've got the best course proper in Victoria, um, that our course proper's, um, you know, not far away from the metropolitan surfaces. And that's what we believe is our jewel and our crown. And, and we continue to develop our, uh, our course proper and, and we're looking at, uh, in, improving our inside grass track as well this is in the next 12 months so we're hoping we can start that uh come springtime um but yeah i guess that's the major differences between us and, and ballarat um as i said uh, yeah we'll, we'll never be ballarat and at the same time we don't aim to be we'll we'll focus on our racing and and we invest a lot uh, very heavily in our customer service uh, facilities as well uh we think that we do that as good if not better than and some of the other clubs um we're very fortunate that we've um, we've been able to uh to save a uh, a bit of money over the last 12 months as a lot of clubs have and, and we've got some strong cash reserves so as a not-for-profit club there's no point having too much in the bank and we're looking to really invest into our customer service facilities and, and some of our training facilities as well in the next 12-24 months. One aspect of the club is the track whether it's good planning or good fortune but many clubs have had to redevelop, update track, renovations take time off including Ballarat. Um, Good fortune or good planning, but your track has been very solid for many years in terms of its reputation. 
Yeah, and that's not by chance. Uh, we think we've got the best track manager uh, going around in Bernard Hopkins. Uh, he's got a team of 11. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's not by chance that we're, we're rated quite um, strongly, I guess, in that area. Um, we get a lot of feedback from metropolitan trainers that they love to bring their two-year-olds and their early types here. Um, I get We've got the moniker that we're the nursery of champions. We've got over 22 horses that uh, have won their first race at Bendigo and gone on to, to Group 1 glory. And, and, again, that's not by chance so um, we invest really heavily in our course proper um, we do our annual renovation in, in December as all clubs do at different times throughout the year um, we've got some great starting points the 1600 particularly for the gold mile is probably the feature I, I believe starting point at Bendigo we've got lovely uh, long straights uh, both front and back and, and sweeping turns so our course proper gives everyone a great chance um, to, to win um, there's no on pace bias it's, it always races pretty evenly here and and I think a lot of the uh, the tipping uh, professionals would, would support that. So, yeah, we're pretty comfortable where we are. But having said that, we always want to improve and, and that's what we'll be looking to do in the short term. Well, our listeners on 9.45am will have sat many times in the beautiful grandstand here. Lovely setting, lovely location. Um, when you think of tinkering to the future and... Uh, sort of the balance between tradition and going forward. What if you had a uh, an untapped uh, source of revenue and you could do what you want? What would you want to do and what shouldn't you do? Because as I said, there's a balance between tradition and going forward. What what's the grand plans for Bendigo that you'd love to see? Well, I guess in the short term, um, we're looking to upgrade some of our training facilities. Um, and even before that, our inside grass track is our number one project that we're looking to, to upgrade. And we've got a negative camber at the moment, uh, in the inside grass. So that just, uh, means that we can't use about the, the outside third of the track. So that's quite significant. But the track itself is around 20 meters in width. So we believe if we can fix that negative camber and, and fix some of the other drainage and, and irrigation issues around that track that, It'd be a, an A-grade uh, training surface. Um, a lot of the other clubs, um, a lot of the other trainers are saying that when they come to Bendigo that some of the other clubs don't provide grass as often as what we do for training. So we think that that's a bit of a, a niche market for us as well. And, and who knows, even down the track, if we can get the inside grass to, uh, to mirror the outside grass, our course proper, uh, we could potentially hold more race meetings in Bendigo. We're, we're currently in, in winter. We uh, race every fortnight um, and we can't race any more than that at the moment just because of the wear and tear on the track during the, the winter months. But if we would have a second surface, we could potentially put our hand up to, uh, to gain more transfer race meetings in winter on grass and I think the participants have been saying that to the industry over the, the previous years that uh, synthetics uh, are required um, however grass is always the preferred preferred surface so um, we're hoping that you know in the next three four five years that uh, once the uh, the surface has time to settle and, and to really mesh that we could potentially race in winter every week here at Bendigo. So it's a great track to be relied upon to be racing, but it just needs a bit more recovery time and you want to try to do something that would step that up. And How big a, a process would that be? Would that see you not race for quite some time or what would be the process? And is this at the moment initial planning or...? Yeah, so from a training point of view, the, yeah, the locals' trainers would be inconvenienced slightly and we're, we're hoping this project can kick off um, later this year, just after our, our cup in October. Uh, so we'd, um, we'd have to open up our course proper a little bit more for training and on the outside 
outside of there and, and that's okay and we've also got some strong relationships with cl- clubs nearby that we might be able to uh, partner up with them and, and get our trainers the opportunity to, to work on their grass tracks um, over those spring and summer months but it'll be short term pain for long term gain but our course proper would still be fully operational uh, during the upgrade and uh, and as I said I think the, um, the long term benefits of having a, a really A grade training facility might even mean that we could uh, yeah, race weekly in in winter on grass which is unheard of in victoria during that time there's a lot of clubs that can't race at all in winter um you've got kyton and kilmore that close down uh yarra valley doesn't doesn't race and of course the issues at seymour as well um so i think as i said participants are screaming out for more grass and we hope to be in a position in a few years time that we can put our hand up and even if it's a transfer venue um initially that to say that we, we can race on grass more often in winter you're with Andrew Hughes. We're on site RSN here at Bendigo Jockey Club, spending some time with Aaron Herps, having a chat about the Bendigo Jockey Club. So how many trainers do you have? Are you, are you canvassing at the moment? Can you fit more? What is the situation as, as your training purpose? Yeah, we've got approximately 45 trainers in, in Bendigo at the moment and, and have over 100 in work. So uh, we can increase both of those figures. Um, we can increase our, our horses in work to somewhere up to 200 quite comfortably. Um, it was only four or five years ago that we invested uh, over $1.1 million in, in a beach sand track, uh, which has held up really well. Um, gives horses that have got some you know, difficult joints um, a lot more cushion in their training. And um, as I said, the, the next piece of the, the puzzle is the... Um, the inside grass. Uh, moving forward after that, we want to upgrade the existing stables. Um, we've got uh, some boxes that are still vacant um, at the at the moment. Um, we believe a, a bit of an upgrade there in the next 12 months um, would certainly be uh, attractive to some of the trainers that um, are leaving Caulfield um, over the coming year and, and, and what's seeing what's happening at Flemington and, and the like. So we believe, yeah, we're only 90 minutes up the road from Metropolitan from a location spot where right dead set in the middle of Victoria. Bendigo is a very livable city. I think that's something that's probably um, advantageous to us uh, against some of the other uh, training venues um, that we're we're very metropolitan now lots of restaurants lots of tourist attractions and and the quality of life in Bendigo is second to none so I said 90 minutes and you're in Melbourne um it's it's a great place to live and and hopefully that yeah we can increase our numbers both training and and horses over the coming years so you mentioned there about the trainers that will have to find a new base with those uh, training centers closing down in Melbourne and obviously already many of them have an idea where they're heading but is it a case of someone like yourself you uh, is it are you canvassing do do race clubs like yourself or Ballarat or Cranbourne or, or Pakenham are they on the front foot making briefs and trying to sit back and say will you tell me Aaron why I should come to you or do you leave it up to the trainers how's that process going to play out because as you say to get a trainer here is more revenue it's more success it grows your club so how's that process playing out between yourself and other I guess race clubs that are competing for those potential uh, on-site trainers yeah, it's a bit of both. Um, some clubs are on, on the front foot if they've got vacant um, boxes. Others um, approach and then look to build. Um, I guess we're somewhere in the middle. Um, my, my initial plans are at the moment that we need to upgrade our current facility. We haven't uh, invested significantly um, for quite some time now. So I believe if we could do some of the works that we're, we're planning on, on doing in the next 12 months, that'd be quite attractive to, to a Melbourne trainer. But there's a bit of work I think we need to be doing as a club to sort of bring us up to 
speed with some of these other training venues before we can really jump on the front foot and, and pick up a phone and, and speak to some of these trainers that are looking to relocate. So we, I'd like to think that by the end of the year um, I can uh, put together a bit of a list of names and, and be on that front foot and, and start making some phone calls. It's been a, a strange year or last 12 months and lots of Zoom meetings, lots of uh, thinking about racing going forward. And again, I'm, we're always cautious about saying normality at the moment, but we're getting closer to it. But going forward, um, have you had a chance to reflect? What have you learnt in the last year or so with COVID and restrictions and, and you know, budgets being tightened and so on? What, what have you learnt and what do you think for country racing in the opinion of yourself? You're a long-time administrator now, so your, your opinion holds weight. What are your thoughts going forward in things that have to change or that have changed and can stay that way? It's a good question. I think from my personal perspective, we probably underestimated the value of the customer on a race day. Um, it's not until they're not here that you realise um, just <laughs> how quiet an area racetrack can be, um, even if you're conducting eight, nine, ten race races uh, throughout the card. But it's really the customer that makes the difference to the experience on the day. So um, having them back, even when we were having numbers of 200, 300, it was amazing. Um, we raced for the best part of 12 months where you could hear the jockeys screaming at each other as they go across the line and that was good for a little while but ultimately we live, we get out of bed for the customer. Um, we want them on course, we need them on course, that's what the experience is. So we're looking, as I said, to invest in our facilities as well. For the We've got a membership base of over 600 that are really loyal and passionate and to have them back on course um, to see some of the horse flesh that they'll see on Golden Mile, that's what makes me smile and that's what makes our team um, enthusiastic and and to be planning for the Golden Mile that we have over last month and the restrictions easing almost by the week, it's allowing us to uh, to improve that experience um, almost daily. So that's something that I, I guess I've learned and, and potentially we as an industry may have underestimated to a certain degree just the importance of having the customer there. So um, we can't wait to, uh, to welcome them back and have the crowds increase uh, as we move forward into the spring later on in the year. So there were a lot of people that continued to follow racing because even though they weren't on track they it was one of the only sports going around for so many months aside from say the AFL and that but uh, the fact do you think um, we've got more people that are now in tune with racing or is it still a task of hanging on to the others that didn't come to the track? From a wagering perspective, the numbers have been through the roof. I think all clubs would um, would say the same thing. Some of our turnover figures have been astounding. Uh, on a Wednesday, we were um, we had greater year on year figures compared to a Sandown. Um, you know, we had we saw results where we were thirty, forty percent up year on year in turnover. So, absolutely in crazy. But we were so restrictive in COVID, and people couldn't leave their houses, and and football um, was on or wasn't on, and and then the international sports weren't there. So so that was great from our point of view, from an industry that people were still betting um, from their couches uh, through the corporate. So that was it was good to have those people still engaged. And, and they say that through recessions and depressions that people often bet more, um, which is beneficial for the industry. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it's certainly, as I said, it's, it's, it's not as good as having people back. Um, and, uh, that's something that we've learned and, and we're looking forward to, uh, to going back to a more pre-COVID normal sooner rather than later. And just finally, uh, if people were to make the trek to Bendigo like I have today, um, you put your tourism hat on. What would you recommend if they came up and 
came to a race meeting and stayed the day before and the day after. What would you suggest would be the selling points to coming to Bendigo and experiencing Bendigo? We're a great tourist town. Obviously, we've got a lot of um, strong ties back to the gold uh, rush days and, and we've still got some beautiful historic buildings that are great to, to see. We've got the Shamrock Building, we've got the Law Courts and um, Central Deborah Gold Mine. You can go underground and, and see what the miners uh, have been doing for many years and uh, some of our restaurants. Um, we've got uh, one restaurant in particular that's it's got a chef's hat and um, there we've got uh, the, the Woodhouse Great Steak for those love steaks and um, and a lot of pubs have, uh, have really improved o- over the years and, and then on the Sunday we've got the Mary Corn exhibition, which has just opened up on the 20th, and, and that's a real coup for Bendigo. We've had the Marilyn Monroe exhibition uh, previous to that, which drew a lot of uh, people to, to Bendigo. So we'd, I'd, I'd recommend uh, coming, staying at one of our great motels, going out for one of the great restaurants, and, and yeah, dropping by uh, the Central Deborah or, or even Mary Quant uh, on, on the Sunday, Andrew, which I'm sure uh, you'll be doing next time you come to Bendigo. Certainly, Aaron. Great to be here having a chat in person. We chat on the phone a lot. It's great to have a visit here for RSN to Bendigo Jockey Club. Good luck with your big race days coming up and during the new season, and thanks for your time. Thanks for your support, Andrew. Aaron Herbst, Bendigo. Great to be there on site chatting to him about their big meeting coming up.